the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. God revealed himself to her. God showed up. God spoke to her. And here it is, you know, Hagar thought her circumstances needed to change. And what did God do? He didn't change her circumstances. He changed her. And put her right back in those circumstances. And how often do we think, my, I, just, I just need to run away. I just want to run away. I just need to get out of these circumstances. I just need my circumstances to change. I just need to get free. I just need to get out of this. You know, just hop on the bus, Gus. Changing your circumstances won't solve your problems. Neither will running away. The Lord has you in this season of life for a reason. The only way to change is to accept what the Lord has for you and follow His path. In today's lesson, Pastor Dan shares that the Lord is the one who can transfer your life. If you want to learn the hard way, go ahead and try running away. But the path of least resistance is to follow the Lord's will. Lean into what He's doing. Find the light in the darkness. Now here's Pastor Dan in the book of Genesis chapter 16 for today's edition of Ring of Truth. So verse 3, then Sarah, Abram's wife, took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian, again, she's an Egyptian, and gave her to her husband Abram to, notice, to be his wife. So she's considered his wife here. Be his wife. After Abram had dwelt 10 years in the land of Canaan. So Hagar is referred to as Abram's wife. Now, uh, you know, God, God does not condone polygamy. You find polygamy in the Bible, but God does not uh, condone it. It's, it was part of the culture. It's accepted in the culture. There are things in our culture today that are acceptable by our culture standard that are unacceptable to God. Our standard is the word of God, not the culture. This was a sin against God's design for marriage. God's design for marriage is one man and one woman coming together as one flesh. This is a sin against that, against God's design. As you go through the volume of the book, when you see polygamy, when you see a man that has multiple wives, it never goes well. It never goes well. Uh, in the Bible. That, that relationship is usually surrounded with strife and trouble in the Bible. So, verse 4, Abram went into Hagar, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress became despised in her eyes. So, no surprise here, this pregnancy now creates tension in the home. 
between Sarah and Hagar. Hagar despised Sarah. And now it's, you know, it's obvious that the reason that Abraham and Sarah have not been able to have children is because of Sarah and not Abraham. And so it creates, it creates tension in the home. So watch what Sarah does in verse 5. I love this. this is so, you know, it's like, you know, it's, this, is such a, this is such a marriage here. Then Sarah said to Abram, my wrong be upon you. I gave my maid into your embrace, and when she saw that she had conceived, I became despised in her eyes. The Lord judged between me and you. This was Sarah's idea. Abraham just went along with it, and now Sarah's angry with her husband and says, this is all your fault. (laughs) Isn't that great? (laughs) She blames Abraham for the whole situation. And I'm sure Abraham thought, How is this my fault? This was your idea. He didn't say that, but he thought that, right? He was too afraid to say that out loud, but he's thinking that. (laughs) Ever make a bad decision and then blame someone else? Ever make a bad decision and then get frustrated with yourself, but then you act frustrated towards someone else and blame them for your stupidity? Ever have your spouse say to you, you're not mad at me, you're mad at yourself. If you're married, you've done this. Sarah blamed Abram for her bad idea. My wrong be upon you. We've all done that. We've all been in that. You know know what works better than taking out your frustration on someone else or blaming someone else for your own bad idea? Humbling yourself. Admitting you made a mistake. Asking forgiveness. It works so much better than getting frustrated Blaming others. Sarah doesn't do that. She doesn't humbly go to her husband and say, I was wrong. I realize now this was, a, this was the wrong thing to do. This was a bad idea. I've made a mess of our family. Please forgive me. How can we work through this together? Instead, she blames Abram. And look at Abram's response. Classic husband here. So Abram said to Sarah, Indeed, your maid is in your hands. Do to her as you please. Abram says, She's your maidservant. Do whatever you want with her. Abraham doesn't try to fix the problems in his household. Instead, he puts it back on his wife and tells her to do whatever she wants. You deal with it. I'm not getting involved. You just deal with it. So Sarah's idea to give Hagar to Abraham was a mistake. Abraham's going along with this idea was a mistake. Sarah taking out her frustration on her husband and blaming him was a mistake. And Abraham's refusal to help resolve the problems in his own household was a mistake. And all these mistakes are just spinning up the tension in the house. It's just amping it up. And since her husband refused to help fix the problem in the household, Sarah turns her frustration on Hagar. And the end of verse 6 says, Sarah dealt harshly with Hagar. The word here means she, she tormented her. One commentator wrote, Sarah sinned in dealing cruelly with her Egyptian maid, And Abraham sinned in allowing her to do so. 
He's got all this strife in his home and he's just letting it go on. He's not addressing it. He's not intervening. As the spiritual leader of the home, as the husband, as the man, as, you know, he's not stepping into this. He's just avoiding it, allowing it just to continue in his home. And we don't know how long Sarah tormented Hagar, but at the end of verse 6, it says that Hagar eventually fled from her presence. She leaves. Hagar leaves. She tries to run away from this problem. Things get so bad at home, she tries to run away to escape it. Pastor Dan will have more to share from today's Ring of Truth study in just a moment. But right now, we'd like to invite you to worship with us this Sunday morning. Here's Pastor Dan to tell you a little more. I heard recently that many people who listen to Christian radio are not part of a local church. Hey, if that's you, I'd like for you to join us this weekend as our guest at Calvary Chapel located in Columbia, Maryland. The teachings you've enjoyed here on Ring of Truth are from messages I've shared with the congregation at Calvary Chapel. We have two meeting times on Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. You can find out more and get directions at our website, calvaryec.com. That's calvaryec.com. Now let's get back to today's message on Ring of Truth. So she runs away. Now watch what happens in verse 7. Now the angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness, in the desert, by the spring on the way of Shur. Hagar was in the wilderness by the spring on the way to Shur. That tells us Hagar is heading back to Egypt. She's from Egypt, and she now is at the border about to leave the promised land and enter into Egypt. She's going back to Egypt, where she came from, trying to run away from her problems and going back home to Egypt, and that's when the angel of the Lord found her. If you're a note taker, this is the first time the angel of the Lord is mentioned in the Bible. The, the angel of the Lord is mentioned 58 times in the Bible, and the angel of the Lord was not any you know, ordinary common angel. The angel of the Lord is God himself. God himself comes. God himself finds her. The angel of the Lord is what is called a theophany or a Christophany, an Old Testament appearance of Jesus Christ. And we see that as, as the way that she, the way the angel of the Lord speaks here and the way that Hagar addresses the angel of, of the Lord. It's obvious this is God. God has appeared to her. God has come and found her. The angel of the Lord, Jesus Christ, appears for the first time here. In the Bible. And, and I want you to note here, the angel of the Lord, God himself appears for the first time here in the Bible. Jesus Christ, first time in the Bible as the angel of the Lord. And he doesn't appear to Abram, the man of faith. Who does he appear to? He appears to Hagar, an Egyptian woman who's trying to run away from her problems. Who's out in the wilderness alone. That's so Jesus to me. That is just like Jesus. Jesus is the good shepherd who leaves the 99 sheep to go find that one sheep that is lost, that has gone astray. Hagar is the lost sheep. Psalm 34 verse 18 says, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. That's Hagar. Hagar's broken hearted. She has a crushed spirit. She's trying to flee from her pain. She's in need of rescue. 
That's who Jesus seeks out to help. That's who Jesus comes to. And if that's you today, if you're broken hearted, if you have a crushed spirit because of your circumstances or because of something that you, you're going through, if you, if you want to run away, I just want to run away. Ever feel that way? I just want to run away. I don't care where I go. I just want to run away and get away from all of my problems. If that's you, Jesus wants to minister to you. You're the kind of person that Jesus seeks out to rescue. Look at verse 8. The angel of the Lord said to Hagar, Sarah's maid, Where have you come from? And where are you going? She said, I'm fleeing from the presence of my mistress, Sarah. And the angel of the Lord, look what the angel of the Lord said. Said to her, return to your mistress and submit yourself under her hand. If you're taking notes, sometimes the Lord asks us to submit to something or submit to someone we don't really want to submit to. (laughs) But he asks us to do it. He asks us to submit to something or someone that we want to run from. And the Lord says, return. And the Lord wants us to return and submit because he wants to do a work in us, in those circumstances, instead of running from it. He wants us to stay, walk by faith, trust him, and allow him the opportunity to do a work in us in that in that circumstance. I, you know, I think of Jesus Christ. He's the greatest example, of course, in Gethsemane as he's praying, Father, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. But nevertheless, not my will be done, but your will be done. Jesus submitted himself to the will of the Father and he submitted himself to the cross. Right? You know, despising the shame, he endured the cross. He didn't want to go to the cross. But he was willing to submit. He was willing to go through it. And sometimes the Lord asks us to submit to something we don't really want to submit to. We don't really want to go through it. We'd rather run from it. But he says, I want you to return. And I want you to submit. Verse 10, then the angel of the Lord said to her, look what the, what the angel of the Lord says. I will. So he doesn't say God will. He says, I will. This is God. I will multiply your descendants exceedingly. So that they shall not be counted for multitude. I want you to note here that God has a plan. He has a purpose. And he has a destiny for this unborn child. Just as he does for every unborn child. He has a plan, a purpose, and a destiny. Sometimes uh, Hagar and her son Ishmael are viewed in a very negative light. In, in commentaries. And from pulpits. But I remember... When 9-11 happened, a few weeks after 9-11, we had a guest speaker in our church. Uh, in, not this church, but the church we were attending. Uh, who, who was talking about radical Islam. And I remember him referencing this passage about Ishmael. To, to explain the radicalism and the terrorism. But as you look at the passage in its context here, God, God actually highly esteems Hagar and Ishmael. God gave Hagar essentially the same promise he made to, to Abraham here. Hagar's descendants will be innumerable, innumerable. 
Now, there's several examples in the Old Testament where a man is promised children, just as Abraham was promised children in an earlier chapter. Hagar is the only woman given this promise. She's the only woman given this promise from God. And, and she receives this, this revelation from God while she's on the run, not while she's seeking God, not while she's praying. You know, God, God is not rewarding her here for her faithfulness or her devotion or her spirituality. It's just God being gracious. She's doing nothing here to deserve such goodness. It's just God being gracious. Verse 11 says, And the angel of the Lord said to her, Behold, you are with child, and you shall bear a son. You shall call his name Ishmael, because the Lord has heard your affliction. This is the first unborn child to be named by God in the Bible. It's Ishmael. Isaac is named by God before his birth, and so is Jesus, and so is John the Baptist, and so is Ishmael. God has named this child. The name Ishmael means God hears. So every time Hagar calls her son Ishmael, she's reminded that God found her in the wilderness when she was on the run, fleeing from her circumstances. And that God hears her. God hears her in her affliction. And God came to her rescue. Verse 12 says, He shall be a wild man. His hand shall be against every man, and every man's hand against him. And he shall dwell in the presence of all his brethren. It says he shall be a wild man. And this is quite often misinterpreted to mean that Ishmael and his descendants will be wild, violent people. The phrase, he's a, he will be a wild man or a wild, your, mind, your translation might say a wild donkey or something like that. The, the phrase means Ishmael and his descendants will, will be separated and they'll, they'll live uh, in the wild is the idea here. Not that they will be wild. They'll be out living on their own in, in the wild, not living with Abraham's family, not part of, of the clan. Uh, Bedouins today have a name for someone who doesn't live with their clan. They call them a stray camel. Ishmael will be a stray camel. His descendants will be like a wild donkey, living just out in the wilderness on their own, disconnected from their clan. But because he will dwell on his own, his hand shall be against every man, and every man's hand against him. Ishmael's life will not be easy. It will be a life marked by constant conflict. But God will sustain him, and God will bless him. And he shall dwell in the presence of all of his brethren, it says. So then Hagar called the name of the Lord who spoke to her, You are the God who sees. For she said, have I also here seen him who sees me? Hagar confers this name on God, calling him, you are the God who sees. Now listen, listen. Hagar is the only character in the Bible who gives a name to God. She's the only one. You are the God who sees. God sees her. Our God is the God who sees. 
God sees us in our affliction. God sees us in, in our trouble. Maybe, maybe you're someone who, who has thought, does God even see me? Does God even know what's going on? Does God even see what I'm going through right now? Does, does God even think about me? Our God is the God who sees. And God sees you. He sees you in your circumstances. He sees you in whatever you're going through. And He will help you just as He helped Hagar. He's revealing Himself to Hagar. He's doing a work in Hagar's life. Therefore, the well, remember they had a well in the wilderness. The well was called Ber Leheroi. Observe, it is between Kadesh and Bered. The well of the one who sees me. That's what she calls the well. So Hagar bore Abram a son, and Abram named his son, whom Hagar bore, Ishmael. So apparently she goes back. She tells this story of encountering God. I'm, I was running away. I was going home. I was just going to leave. I was going to go back to Egypt. It was too difficult living here. But then the Lord appeared to me. And the Lord spoke to me. And the Lord told me to come back. And so I came back. And the Lord told me I'm going to have a son. And that his name should be Ishmael. And Abraham listened to her story and he named the son Ishmael. And Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore Ishmael to... When God told Hagar to return back and submit to Sarah, Hagar could have said, no way. I'm not going back there. It's too hard. It's too difficult. It's too painful. There's, there's, there's no way I'm going to go back and subject myself to her and the way she mistreats me. I'm out of here. I'm going to Egypt. And you can't stop me. I don't care what you say. I'm not listening. She could have said that. A lot of people say that. But instead, she obeyed the Lord and she returned. And through her circumstances, God Revealed himself to her. God showed up. God spoke to her. And here it is, you know, Hagar thought her circumstances needed to change. And what did God do? He didn't change her circumstances. He changed her. And put her right back in those circumstances. And how often do we think, my, I, just, I just need to run away. I just want to run away. I just need to get out of these circumstances. I just need my circumstances to change. I just need to get free. I just need to get out of this. You know, just hop on the bus, Gus. Make a new plan, Stan. You don't need to be coy, Roy. Just get yourself free, right? And God says, I, your circumstances don't need to change. You need to change. You need to allow me to work in your life. You need to allow me to change you. You need to allow me to transform you. God would say to you today, if that's you, if you're thinking, I've mean, I I got to get out of this situation. I mean, it's terrible. It's, there's so much tension and frustration and God would say, I see you. I see what's going on. God would want you to know that He wants to meet you and He wants to transform you. God wants to demonstrate His power in you. And God would say, instead of running away, let me do a work in your life. 
Let me do a work in your life. So you can see my power right where you are. He asked me how I know, and I say, Bring truer than the finest crystal. We're so glad you tuned in to hear today's edition of Ring of Truth. Pastor Dan is continuing to teach through the book of Genesis, verse by verse, chapter by chapter. If you'd like to hear this message again or to listen to additional teachings from Pastor Dan, you're welcome to visit our website at calvaryec.com. Once there, you can listen to or download a wide range of previous broadcasts. Otherwise, simply subscribe to our podcast. Our podcasts provide you with up-to-date teachings through the Bible and can be taken with you wherever you might be. This can be advantageous for those who are on the go much of the time. You'll find a link to subscribe to our podcast at our website, calvaryec.com, or just search for Ring of Truth in iTunes. We'd love to hear how Ring of Truth has had an impact on your life. So please let us know by giving us a call at 410-491-4592. That number again is 410-491-4592. We'd also really like to know how we can be praying for you. So when you call, don't be afraid to share your prayer requests with us. We'd be happy to pray with you and for you. Ring of Truth is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City in Columbia, Maryland. We hope you'll make sure to join us again as Pastor Dan continues teaching in this series through the book of Genesis. We look forward to the next edition of Ring of Truth. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.